When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hey, everybody. If I say challenging personality, who do you think of? Sometimes I think of myself, actually. I can be pretty challenging. <laughs> but sometimes these challenges can become pretty severe. And we talk a lot on this podcast about secure relating and secure functioning couples. But we haven't necessarily addressed a whole bunch of the, you know, when you're with someone that has an empathy impairment or is very highly reactive or is just mean as a snake, like that happens, how to assess that and what to do about it. So we had started this as a course and we are transitioning it into a series called Holding Your Own with Challenging Personalities. This is the first episode. It's an experiment. You know, get off automation and try something new. That's what we're doing. We'll see if you guys like it. We'll publish them a little closer together than we normally do so that if you're into it, that you don't have to wait too long. <laughs> In the series, we are going to be particularly pulling out things like, you know, narcissistic, all the different types of narcissism, people who struggle with borderline personality traits, which again, I can do it as well as anybody, and antisocial. We're going to really look at the unconscious. We're going to do a deep dive. We didn't know that we could do this. We hadn't thought that we could do it on the podcast. So that's why we had shifted it to the course. So we're going to try it this way. We'll see how it goes. The most important thing I want you to hear before we get started is that our aim is to not pathologize. We aren't like pointing fingers and holding our nose and saying, you know, those narcissists over there, those borderlines over there, you know, it's just not what we're about. It's not how we think. It's not how we talk. And at the same time, we really want to be clear about sometimes there's destructive relating. And many of you have reached out and asked us for help with that. Sorting out what's healthy and what's not healthy. If you do identify a problem, what to do about it. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So welcome to the new series. We'll see how it goes. Let us know. This is Holding Your Own, a series from Therapist Uncensored that aims to deepen and broaden security when faced with challenging personalities. Now, here are your co-hosts, Dr. Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. Hey, Ann, you are excited about something I can tell. Yeah, we've been really ready to take an extremely deep dive into a topic, and we made a major shift. Instead of taking a deep dive, we thought, if we're going to do a deep dive, we need to do a course. And then we thought, wait, we don't have to do a course. We can do a series. Some of you may have heard this already, but we had already sold tickets to the course even, and we're mostly finished with it and decided to refund all the tickets 
and make this free and accessible for everybody. And both of us are so excited to be able to do that. And it really holds to our values. And it just didn't seem like the right time to be filling people's inboxes and trying to quote, sell something. And instead, we're going to bring you the really incredible content right here. So this is the beginning of our series called Holding Your Own with Challenging Personalities. And we're going to be breaking it down and talking about particularly those with high narcissistic traits, uh, some borderline tendencies, maybe some antisocial personality disorder, (laughs) that sort of thing. So it's going to be fun. Kind of interesting to pair talking about narcissism, borderline, and with fun, but (laughs) the reason we think we need to do a course is not because necessarily we want to sell it. It's because to really dive deep, our podcasts are usually pretty short. And when you get into these topics, they're really complex and we want to take a very deep dive. So we're going to go ahead and do that, but we're going to do it over a series, right? It's going to be an experiment. So you guys let us know what you think. And before we dive in today, quick shout out. If you've noticed, this is an indie produced women led podcast. And over the course of our five seasons now, and Kelly, can you believe that five seasons, we have done a handful like less one hand worth of ads. And that's been intentional. We've experimented with a little bit. We hate it. I hate hearing ads on podcasts. I fast forward through them. So instead of doing ads, we are really working very hard to just be supported through the one course that we have and our patrons. So if you haven't yet, please consider signing up. We're about to do a patron directory, especially for people who are looking for therapists that are attachment informed. So patreon.com backslash therapist uncensored. And that's it. That's the most that you're going to hear today about selling anything. But it's not just selling. By becoming a Patreon member, you help support. And what I love about our Patreons is they're so involved and they actually participate at certain levels. You're an executive producer, so you can have contact with us as well as really encourage directions that we take in terms of topics. So that's really fun. And you get some cool swag. Most importantly, our whole goal, and we'll jump into our goal of this podcast, is deepening security and broadening security in yourselves, but also in others all over the world. So when you invest in us, we get to be able to put this content out to people who wouldn't otherwise have access. So it's a wonderful giving thing to be doing as well. It absolutely is. So without further ado, Ann Kelly, what shall we um, start with today related to this topic of holding our own? To start the series, let's talk a little bit about what secure relating actually looks like. Well, As we mentioned just a second ago, if you're a longtime listener, you know that our goal is to really help individuals understand attachment, neurobiology, and depth psychology from us and all sorts of amazing guests to really be able to build your sense of security in yourself, but also improve your relationships. And right now, a lot of our relationships are in stress. Yeah, I think some of you might be ready to strangle your partner (laughs) or or abandon your children. (laughs) Yeah, when you're isolated with your children in your home or your spouse or your siblings, it is hard on the nervous system without a doubt. So it's hard, period. But if you're actually in a relationship that is challenging and that is hard and you're more isolated, then that's what we're going to be beginning to zone in on here. So there's a lot of healthy relationships that are strained right now. And you can have a secure relationship that looks pretty volatile. So what is the difference then between like a good enough relationship that's on the rocks 
versus one where that it's actually more destructive and beginning to erode and be actually bad for one or both of you in the relationship. Important distinction. I like how you put that. And there's a continuum, right? So it might have sounded it's either one or the other, but there's a continuum and there's things you can do many times along the way on that continuum to deepen yourself. That's why the title's holding your own. This isn't about just listing and helping you understand what narcissism is. It's helping us understand how to hold ourselves with these difficult relationships. Because in doing that, you can really shift gears and build deepening, better relationships. So one of the first important points, and then I want to talk about like, what are the elements of security that you can absolutely count on and know, like, okay, I'm in good shape. But that as we talk about narcissism and borderline and antisocial and all those sorts of things, that labels can be very instructive and clarifying and organizing for us. Or they can also be super defensive and externalizing and blaming and pejorative. pejorative. It might be like, you know, the eye roll, oh my God, he's so borderline or he's so narcissistic as a way of dismissing someone. So that is something we're not going to do through this series. We're going to insist that you see people complexly. And so even if somebody actually has a diagnosis, which is really different than just calling someone off the cuff narcissistic, it's if you actually have the diagnosis of narcissism, you're also not only a narcissist. Right. Nobody's all one thing. It's just like we talk about our attachment styles. You're not all blue. You're not all red, right? Right. You're not all preoccupied only. We travel there when we feel threatened. In fact, as you talk about it, we all have characteristics. You're going to recognize yourself when we talk about narcissism. You're going to recognize yourself when you talk about borderline traits and et cetera, because we can all fall into these different characteristics. But they can, though, however, we can through our life history and our experience, those things become more rigid, more fixed, and they're along a continuum. So We can have these aspects, but they can travel to where they become very, very rigid, very hard to deal with, and sometimes almost impossible to change. And just to be clear, we're not mincing words, and we're not just being nice, and we're not just being politically correct. We're going to be very accurate, and we're going to name names and tell it like it is. So don't worry that we're going to just try to sugarcoat and make everything sweet or like, oh, everybody's a little narcissistic at a time. We're starting with security and then... For example, the next episode is going to be on a specific kind of narcissism. The next episode will be, you know, the first one will be on grandiose narcissism. The second one is going to be on vulnerable or depressed narcissism. And then we're going to build from there. So don't at all think that we are going to be too sweet about this. It's just that we're, we're striving to be accurate. Like, for example, I don't like the term toxic relationships because, again, it's a way of I don't know, devaluing something. And if something is unhealthy, then let's learn what it is and let's know about it so that we can do something about it instead of writing it off with a word that is just like, it's a throwaway word. Yeah, I like that because it's like, if you think about it, instead of toxic relationships, you have very deep toxic patterns inside relationships. Right. And there's sometimes that you should run and we're going to talk about that. Right. (laughs) And then there's other times where there's hope. Right. And, and we're going to talk very deeply about ways to hold your own. That's the title. Ways to hold your own when we're up against these difficult traits. 
it, whether it's inside you or whether it's inside your relationship, and it could be with your boss. This is not all about romance. It could be with so many different types of relationships. You can run into these dynamics and it's very easy. And what we really want from this deep dive is as you start to recognize patterns and as you start to recognize how you respond and why you're in these patterns, it actually can add a lot of hopefulness, whether it's hopefulness by responding differently and changing it or hopefulness to go, wait, this is a pretty fixed deep pattern. I've been beating myself over the head trying to stay and it may actually breathe you freedom to go this is not going to shift right and the other option that i really like is this relationship is going to end as it is and then we're going to begin anew in the same relationship but we're going to really change the ground rules and i really like that option so that there's still a high capacity for change but it's not just i have to stay in it the way it is or leave that there's these gradations So let's talk about secure relating. Like we're talking about that relationships right now, if you are feeling a lot of hostility and distance and you want to get away or you're kind of feeling listless and shut down, that might not be an indication of a toxic relationship. It may be that you've been pushed really hard with all this stress. So let's talk about what's the difference because all relationships can get messy. Totally. As a matter of fact, healthy relationships can look quite colorful and volatile. <laughs> you know, uh, John Gottman has, has taught us a lot about that, that some relationships, they hardly ever fight and somebody might judge that, but actually they might be doing just fine. And some relationships that, you know, you're very colorful and loud and process everything out loud and, you know, but that there's a lot of love and friendship and repair in those and they look okay. So what I thought was we could go back to our dear friend, David Elliott, and Dan Brown's work. And what they do is they talk about the conditions for security. And they now they're talking about it from an infant perspective, but we're going to translate that into what an adult relationship looks like. If you're new to our podcast, just to sink in that one bite for just a second, the reason we're talking about the infant insecure relating because that's what really impacts how our nervous system is developed and how we relate as we grow up and our relationships continue to influence that. And so these are really core to how you build a secure, trusting relationship. A big word is trust inside your body and between the two people. Right. It sets up these unconscious models of what we expect from ourselves and what we expect from the world. So Elliot and Brown talk about these five conditions that promote security. And I have turned them into a little acronym called PAST. It's P-A-S-S-E-D. It's going to help you remember them. And so as we talk about each of them, just real quickly, you're going to be scanning for your close relationships, again, whether they're romantic or otherwise. Do they incorporate most of these, you know, at some point? So the first one is protection. This was originally developed looking at mothers and babies or caregivers and children. But this is still true from an adult perspective. The protection might not look like I'm going to go get the saber-toothed tiger or the uh, attacking person, but it might look like protection in that I'm going to help you not be embarrassed. I'm going to help you save face if there's an uncomfortable social situation, that kind of thing. I have your back. I have your back. It's a feeling. and, And do you feel like your partner or do people in your life have your back? That's a really important sign. And that doesn't mean that you feel that all the time because in the middle of conflict and you're slamming the door, you don't feel like either one of you have the back. But it's when your situation has calmed down, do you really trust that you have each other's best will? That's right. So that's P. A is attunement. 
basically, if you just think it's what it is, it's like that you're interested in the life of the other person. The other person actually exists. (laughs) You know, in some relationships, there's the primary person and then the other person who is orbiting that person. Attunement is really more about that they know your inner life, that they know your cast of characters inside of your world, that they even are attuned to like different mood states at times, that sort of thing. So protection, attunement. S is soothed, which basically means being able to, if I'm upset, my partner will be able to come and comfort me and effectively comfort me. So that one's pretty easy. Well, you say it's easy. It's easy to understand, but this one is shockingly hard sometimes in relationships. One, to even recognize that it doesn't exist, but to be soothed requires attunement for one, right? Because soothing you is not shutting you down. Soothing you is not saying, hey, That's ridiculous. You don't actually need to feel that. If you didn't think this way, then you wouldn't feel bad. And we'll get more deeply into that. But attunement is I see you and I see what you're going through. I'm able to leave myself and really see your experience. So it sounds easier than it's it's really important to kind of do you feel attuned to? Attuned and soothed. And I agree. And And, and it isn't as easy as it sounds because a lot of times... Again, if I get defensive because you're upset and I just feel criticized because you're upset with me, then I'm not in a place to be able to comfort you very well. Right. So then I'm getting negative points on my S on that moment. (laughs) And, And it can be hard in the relationships we talk about to soothe if you feel like responsible for the other person's feelings constantly. So to be able to soothe somebody, you have to really be able to get out of yourself and be there and be two separate people. That's right. And then support, the second S is support. And what that's about is, so again, with a caregiver and a child, it's supporting their exploration. It's not just merge, 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 be close. It's also supporting, like seeing them, we're a sponsor of these children for a short period of time. They don't belong to us. They're not an extension of us. And we get to know them and support them in their self-development. So let's fast forward to adult world, This is support for differentiation. This is support for, again, seeing the other person as separate and like, oh, they want to do acting classes, but you think that's stupid, but they love it. So you're supporting them in their becoming their best self. So protection, attunement, soothed, supported, and then ED is expressed delight. And really what that is about, you can imagine that for kids, that's easy, the expressed delight. But with couples, you have to like your partner. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like you light up, you're happy to see them. Like when you drive up and you see their car in the driveway or whatever, like there's a soothing that happens. There's a comfort. They're like, oh good, they're home. Instead of the dun, dun, dun dread. Oh my God, they're home. They're not supposed to be home. Oh no, I don't want to deal with this person. Instead of seeing them as an intrusion or evasive, you see them as something that's an asset to you and welcoming. And of course, let's be super clear, very secure relationships at times, you're not very happy to see the car in the driveway, right? We're not saying that you have these all the time consistently. It's mainly that you have it more predominantly in your relationship. Right. And you know, the question of does your partner like you? Is an interesting question. And this is going to be easy for so many of you listening, but for some, it's not going to be so obvious. And those are where we're beginning to get into what is more destructive for folks. And then I also just want to mention, so that was Brown and Elliot. And then Dan Siegel talks about the four S's. And again, this is still infant, but it's seen, soothed, safe, and secure. So it's similar 
But the notion being here is that, do you like your person? Do they have your back? And can you exist separately from them? And then also when there is conflict, are both of you able to own something? That's important because that involves two people. That involves all the things you just mentioned to be able to be in conflict and maybe not in the middle of conflict are you completely owning because you're charged up, you're shut down. And we go through times where we are closed off to all of those, right? None of us live on all of those, especially when we're having a difficult time, but we can get there and we can find that part of ourselves that can own responsibility for the fight, that can share, that can apologize, that can come forward. And that's a really important element of secure functioning. So let's move to the next piece, which is what about somebody's identifying like, oh, God, you know, my relationship's not sounding so great. You know, my partner can be a real jerk and they don't watch my back and this and the other. When you're angry, what gets expressed? Does it get expressed as anger or is it demeaning? Is it dismissing? Is it really annihilating? Yeah. And here's the thing is, let's say that it is demeaning because we all can get demeaning. True. Let's just be super real. You know, when we fight, it's ugly. (laughs) So the person who has the more problematic behavior. So let's talk about demeaning, dismissiveness, degradation, that sort of thing. Are they aware that they do it? Right. Do they have self insight? That's right. Are they aware of their like, oh, you know, yeah, that is true that I do that thing. And can they come back and have self-reflective functioning? Can they go, oh my gosh, you know, they wake up with a sense of remorse and regret with a self-reflection going, I was such an ass last night. Right. And that gets into the second thing. So one is just, do they even identify that they have an issue at all? And the second one is, are they wanting to change it? Do they have some insight, guilt, remorse, wanting to change? That's right. Are they aware that this isn't working for them, willing to change? And then the third one is simply... Are they willing to take the steps necessary to actually change? And that's a really different. They might know that they pop off and they might know that it's hurtful to you and they might kind of wish it was different. I really wish I didn't do that. But, you know, I've done that my whole life. I'm, I'm just that way. Right. A description of this is just me. Get to know me. I'm fixed versus knowing that we are not fixed and knowing that the growth needs to happen on both ends because that's what relating to other people's about. It isn't about I am who I am, accept me, see, hear me roar. It is I am who I am. And in relation to you, I'm going to learn so much more about myself. I love how you said that because it's really about discovery. We both are influencing each other and we're going to continue to change and grow. If we were the same people that we were, you know, five years ago, that would not be good for either partner. So you don't want anybody just like, this is just the way it is. You're going to have to live with it. Right. In any relationship, my saying that I love to use is if you're not growing, you're dying. I mean, literally in life, if you aren't growing and you're stagnant, it is a deterioration of something inside you. Right. And now a lot of times this is important because this is about holding your own is you can't just stand back and go like, okay, my partner, they do these destructive things. They don't notice it. They're not, maybe they know it, but they're not willing to work on it. Well, don't assume that because a lot of times we haven't been very effective at telling them what they need to do to change. We haven't been effective at raising the stakes in the relationship so that they get the feedback that, no, this is, you actually really do have to work on this. Yeah. You really have to be invested or there's also the other end. And that is you tell them over and over and over again, And then they just don't change. And that is not necessarily a sign of a blocked relationship because that's part of the core of 
really learning our bodies and understanding, and that is we get stuck in patterns because of our bodies and our attachment histories where we then do trigger each other. And we can trigger the best in each other, but we can also unintentionally trigger a high amount of risk and danger and patterns in ourselves. And we, if you haven't already listened to episodes 59, 60, 61, as you finish this episode, it might be a great thing to tune into because that's when we talk about pretty normal relating that involves a lot of hell, but it is because of the way our bodies respond. And then we trigger each other in very predictable ways. And the truth is we give way too much credit to insight. If I tell you this is driving me crazy, you're just going to change it. But guess what? We can't do that. It's not that easy, is it? No, I really like that you said that. It's like, again, let's be real life. I love that you recommended the 596061. I think those episodes are fantastic around looking at patterns of attachment specifically. And one of the things I really like about what we're doing now is we're adding, this isn't just attachment related behaviors. We're going to get into personality disorders and real difficult functioning. And something else about this is that we aren't looking, you don't have to have two secure people to have a secure functioning relationship. You can even have some pretty severe personality issues and create secure functioning, which is so cool. This is why this is super hopeful. You can also be a secure person that gets with somebody who's pretty brittle and rigid, and that can move you right out of your secure self and into a preoccupation or avoidance or something like that. So it's very dynamic. Right. And we focus on it being a continuum in the continuum influencing each other. We talk a lot about that in the course as well. This is not a plug for the course. I'm just saying we take a really deep dive into attachment patterns and how those relate and by growing a sense of yourself, you talked about that you be, could be secure and be pulled into preoccupied way of functioning. That's really, really true. It is also true that you could be more in a preoccupied way or a dismissive way. And through secure relating, we call it moving to the green, you develop earned security and you actually can move your system in a way that can trust the world more, rely on the world more and give more to the world, Right. That's so important to learn about ourselves. Right. And I think it's fine for us to mention our course, actually. And there is a course on our website, therapistandcenter.com backslash course, I believe it is. It's under the course tab, but it's called It's Not Me, It's My Amygdala. It is a power packed four hour dense course. It's not just for therapists, but if you're a therapist, you get CEUs. I just mentioned that because if you're interested enough in this topic, and you really want to go into it, that is a resource that will give you the absolutely everything you need to know about attachment and internal working models and how to change them. So what this deep dive is going to be about is really recognizing in the continuum that we can along the way, develop more and more rigid types of fixed way of relating, relating to ourselves, relating to the world, whether we trust is a big issue. And these can come as personality traits, but it also can become so fixed that it becomes a really driven part of our personality. Right, i.e. personality disorder. Right. And we don't say that lightly, but looking ahead, we're going to begin to talk about one of the most common frequent ones that people hear about that is often misunderstood, and that is narcissism. There's three different kinds. There's going to be an episode on every single one of them. And the emphasis in the episodes are going to be 
how to manage yourself. If you recognize these patterns, and again, this can be for therapists working with this. This can be for lots of different kinds of relationships, but about how to recognize what's happening, but then also be able to relate. So it's not just about the other person. It's about us who is recognizing it. Why you get into it and what patterns happen while you're into it and how to remove yourself from it or to really shift inside yourself to get out of deep patterns that make you feel stuck. So today what we've basically covered is a lot about security, what a secure functioning relationship looks like, the problem with labels, the problem slash benefit of labels, about not pathologizing, about not using labels as a defense. What else? There's lots of personality disorders we keep throwing that out. We're talking about a pattern of relating that is more difficult to deal with, right? That is more antagonistic type of relating. And that's why we're talking about yeah, the different- the, the uh, empathy disorders. So we're talking about the three different types of narcissism, borderline personality disorder, antisocial personality disorder. It's and kind of the cluster B personalities because that they, just like what you're saying, Anne, that they are the ones that cause us a lot of harm interpersonally and a lot of just challenge interpersonally. And I think one of the things we want to do- Along, or one of the things we are going to do along the way is to help people understand why sometimes you can go, oh my God, and you're hitting your head. Why do I keep doing these same patterns? Or why do I get involved in these relationships? Or why is it so hard if I recognize that these patterns are not good for me to get out? Oh, I'm so glad you're going to go into this, Anne. This is the type of thing of like where that you finally get out of the relationship and then you can't stop yourself from like checking your phone and wondering if they called and maybe sending them a little message. Or here's one that you don't tell your friends that you're back together because your friends all now don't like the person anymore <laughs> because they're not good for you. And they care about you and they really recognize right. that this person is not good for you. And then you go back. And what's so painful is that you can be really, really shamed or feel shameful about going back. You can see yourself as weak and really perpetuate a lot of negative things. So one of the emphasis in our series is going to be talking about, even from a neurological perspective, the chemicals that get released that happens and develop in these relationships that makes us actually compulsively want to go back. Even though, remember we said earlier, we give way too much credit to our intellect. We really do. So we think, ugh. We leave the relationship and we're so relieved and I'm never going to go back A, B, and C. And then all of a sudden, these chemicals in your body start to react. Let's not say we're going to say it. Go ahead and tell them what, what happens. Okay. Well, we know for one, oxytocin. We talk about oxytocin as something released in your body that makes you feel well-being, makes you feel close. It is a bonding chemical in our body that we're so grateful to have it, but it also can be released in a way when you start to feel rejected or pushed away that can create an anxiety-producing, distress-related reaction. And it can also produce, we have natural opioids in our bodies that when we're feeling top of our game and getting lots of attention, we're feeling really, really good. But when we get removed from that relationship that has made us feel very intoxicating, and by the way, being involved with a positive, more supportive, grandiose narcissist can make us feel very high on these. Mm -hmm. When we get removed from that, it actually creates all that we think about with an opioid withdrawal, which it makes you want to seek it, desperate for that kind of chemical in your body. Mm -hmm. Ruminating, pleasure when they, you know, you get the dopamine hit when they do respond to you finally. Right. So yeah. Because really, dopamine is related to cravings, right? It right. feels so good when we have it, it makes us feel high, but it's related to craving and wanting. And guess what? 
it makes us seek. You know, you talk about looking at the phone over and over again. I don't want to hear from her. I don't want to hear from him. But did they text me? Did they text me? And we start to get that like real preoccupied kind of feeling. We want you to know that's normal. Right. And we don't want to attribute this like it's an addiction. It's more that we really want you to have empathy for yourself that this isn't rational and it doesn't make sense partly because we've got some unconscious motives that we're going to, again, uh, I think we should probably wrap up today pretty soon so that we can get into the nitty gritty of the narcissism and stuff like that. But we are definitely going to be looking at what is the unconscious motivations inside of you that continues to bring you back. And then also what they may be putting inside of you from their unconscious, like a projection. And I want to add one thing to that. Yeah, please. It's also what society puts in us. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Yeah, what society puts in us, and that's transitioning over the last, especially 10 years, what society puts inside of us about what we should value and hold in high regard. For example, right now, achievement and power over. There's a lot of power over and achievement and actually emphasis on being weak if you are too emotional. (laughs) There you go. Too emotional, too empathetic, right? So we do have pressures on society about what achievement and success is. And that's in your body. And it's going to make you responsive to both the attraction to somebody, but also what you think you should be doing in yourself that keep you kind of stuck and trapped in these relationships. And we're also aware that as we're talking, the folks that have a more traumatic early life, the ones of us, I am included in that for sure, that did not have a secure base to get started with, we're going to be a lot more vulnerable to get drawn into these relationships that are more destructive. So just know that as we're talking, we really have you in mind. And this is part of why it's so important that we're not pathologizing any of it. Because also sometimes we look at the person, we know they're maybe a raging narcissist, and we love them, and it's worth it, and we're going to stay in. And we are going to take no stance on what's best for you. That'll be up to you to decide. But I did want to just really call out those of us who are kind of trying to put ourselves together into more secure functioning. And that's why we're doing this whole series, actually. That is so well stated. I'm right in there. Awesome. So we're going to try to keep this moving pretty fast paced. And shall we wrap up? We should. So look for the next episode on grandiose narcissism and how to hold your own coming soon. All right. And take some time, if you would, to rate and review us. That really helps us in the long run. All right. Thank you so much. And we'll see you around the bin. Therapist Uncensored is Ann Kelly and Sue Marriott. This podcast is edited by Jack Anderson. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... 
To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.